this is Jordan Van Trump with Farm Tank. Farm Tank is an organization I formed for individuals and business owners to learn the latest in innovation, execution, and motivation. I believe there's a huge demand for hearing how others have become successful in life. I'll be traveling the world talking to some of the most influential CEOs and founders to help everyone learn and be more successful in their near future. The agricultural community has been extremely grateful to me and my family, so I'd like to do the same for everyone else and share my insights with you. With that, coming to you live with Farm Tank, Jordan Van Trump. Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Farm Tank. It's uh, just me, Jordan Van Trump, on here today, and I am on here with Grant Wells, the owner and CEO of Wells Ag Supply. He, uh, I guess he doesn't have a lot of flashy background besides that, but he's got a massive uh, business. He started there in Iowa and expanded into more states, and we had a good chat yesterday about some of his background. So with that, I'd like to welcome Grant to the show. Hey, how's it going, Jordan? It's going good. It's going good. How are you doing today? I'm doing real well. That's good. That's good. I guess uh, let's jump right into it. We talked a little bit about some stuff yesterday, but um, you grew up on a farm, and uh, your dad was a farmer dealer, so I guess let's just start there in the story, and we can yeah. uh, just bounce off of it. Yeah, the story how I got how we kind of got in the business, how we got how we got started. Sure. Um, <clears throat> yeah, you know, I uh, grew up a uh, small town Iowa, rural farm kid. Um, grew up, you know, helping out on the farm and doing a lot of a lot of things um, locally here. And anyway, I had a chance to uh, go to college to uh, play football and looked around for schools that uh, had agronomy, egg business, and uh, landed at uh, Marshall, Minnesota. Um, my father, um, again, he was a farmer and uh, raised pigs. And in the 90s, he got into um, needing some sideline income, um, got into doing a, a dealership through a, a chem company named Farm Advantage. <clears throat> Many people probably remember that name back in the 90s. Uh, they're kind of the first company that got into generics. They kind of went belly up, I think, in 08 or something like that. But that dad enjoyed doing that in the 90s. Um, you know, so he was kind of doing that, doing the pigs and doing the, the farming. I kind of got involved in, in all of it. Well, when I went to college, uh, playing football, uh, taking 16 credit hours, you know, my dad wasn't one to just hand me money, you know, so I had to find ways to make money, um, to be able to, you know, do things I want to do on the weekend and, and whatnot. That was back in 2004, I believe it was. And so I found a job uh, selling Cutco cutlery door to door. And you know, I, could, I could do that job in between uh, football class and in between, um, you know, football and class and videotape. And, and you tell you what, it, it really became um, something pretty cool. I, I became like the number one sales guy in 17 states. And it really uh, mainly instilled in me um, my passion for selling, selling and helping people, you know, through selling. And, you know, it uh, became so big there for me that uh, I can remember one of my, one of my uh, classmates um, or roommates, I should say, you know, he was making fun of me. He says, you know, you know this guy is a straight-A 4.0 student. You know, I think I was like a 3.5, but I had to study real hard, you know. And he's like, Grant, that, that you know, selling knives is a dirty, dirty business, you know. And, and you know, I, I believed in the product. The product worked. And, and uh, I remember putting on my, on my desk there the first check I got, you know, it was like $5,000. And, and him seeing that and going, holy hell, what is this, uh, what is this company? Can I, can I get involved, you know. So I'm kind of a self-starter. I, I uh, don't really – 
you know, I kind of see something that, that I want to do and, and just go for it. Um, and so anyway, I graduated college uh, really with no debt. This, uh, this Cutco Cutler was able to get me all my debts paid down and, and uh, really give me a spark of, uh, of um, you know, confidence in, in being able to sell and, and do that. So um, 2007, I was going to graduate in 08. And uh, I remember my father, you know, me having this instilled confidence in selling and looking down at what he was doing or looking out at what he was doing. And I said, hey, Dad, tell me more about this dealership you've got um, selling chemicals on the side. And, and you know, he told me a lot of negatives, you know, um, not, not about mainly about the company and how it was ran and uh, products would never show up on time. And, you know, I looked at the financial end of it and there was really no room for me to get involved and really no scalability to it either because there was a dealer every five miles, um, 10 miles away. And, and so I said, well, Dad, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get an uh, internship at a cooperative retailer, um, you know, an egg retailer, and see if I can learn anything there beyond what you're doing with that. And, you know, so I uh, got to see the back door of egg retail, um, got an internship and see how it really worked. And I can remember being so excited and calling Dad and going, all right, Dad, we're going independent. When I get home, we're going to take this thing and we're going to, we're going to, at least I'm going to not going to do Farm Advantage dealership and I'm going to go independent. And easy as that sounds, uh, actually very, very difficult to, to achieve. But, you know, at the, at the point, I was just full of piss and vinegar and just full of passion and motivation and basically nothing was going to stop me. I was a self-starter and I'm going to make it work. Well, fortunately, back in September 07, we had a, we had a big, um, a big uh, thing happen to our family. My father was killed in a farming accident. And so it really kind of set me back a bit. Um, I can remember a lot of people from the local community um, saying, Grant, it's okay, to, it's okay to be small. You know, everybody loved Tom Wells, my father, and, you know, and, and he was a great man in the, in the area and, and did a lot of things. He was a busy guy uh, with his farm and his pigs and, and uh, trying to do the – the dealership and they said you know just 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 get rid of that dealership you know and just forget about you know trying to go independent like you've got you've got these farm makers you gotta you gotta tend to now and and uh, you know, all these hogs and you know i i'm somebody that doesn't really i don't tell people what i'm gonna do or what i'm thinking or i just kind of soak stuff in and then just but in my head i was going you know i don't want I don't want to have any regrets in my life. I don't want to let any, you know, any doors close for me. And the last thing I was going to do was get out of any of it at that point. You know, I'm 20 years old, um, you know, thinking I have a passion for being into ag retail sales, but, you know, never really had done it. And uh, so I kept all the doors open. And I tell you what, that, that uh, last, semester of college I had to quit football I uh, obviously quit Cutco I rearranged my schedule so I could go home on a Thursday and and uh, come back on a Tuesday got all dad's crops harvested uh, along with the help of a lot of the local community did a farming bee for a couple days a lot of it combined and I spent my winter break six weeks winter break um, you know trying to investigate how to get in the business and and um, you know how to do it and uh, didn't take it took till the next uh, or that that uh, that year's farm progress show went into uh, they're over by Boone and went into all the chemical manufacturers tents 
and uh, said, hey, I'm Grant Wells, and I'm going to be an independent. And we're gonna, the company's going to be called Wells Ag Supply. And uh, if you're not familiar with this, Jordan, or not, but this business is very political, very political. Um, I had a lot of laughs. A lot of, a lot of manufacturers go, yeah, how old are you? You know, how much money do you got? Because really uh, what they want to know, what, what they're looking at politics is really is, who's, who's this guy going to piss off if we support it? And, you know, so they're looking at that, and, and uh, I learned real quick how to navigate politics. You know, I kept my head down. I, I didn't advertise, you know, because I didn't want to rise up too fast and get shot, you know. And that's kind of the industry. Unfortunately, that's how it, how it works. And, you know, it's fast forward today and where we're at, you know, I, I'll never use my, our, our leverage and our, uh, our uh, size to ever hinder someone else's business. You know, I'm not going to do that to someone else. I'm just going to flat out beat you with service and efficiencies. So that year when I had, uh, you know, I, all these chem companies laughed at me. I, I did have Dow, old Dow, AgriScience. Bob Wagner was the rep at the time. A lot of people know him as Bobby Boots in the area. Um, everybody that knows him knows what I'm talking about with that. And anyway, uh, he's the only one that, that had a spine in the industry to stand up to say, you know what, this Grant Wells does the right thing. He's honest to the farmers. He's passionate about service. I mean, it's Saturday, Sunday. He's loading trucks. He cares about telling people the right thing. And you know what? I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna let politics sway me in this deal. And so he he agreed to to sign us up and support us. Uh, luckily, we had a Van Deese distribution. Uh, Bob and John Van Deese are phenomenal family, great people. Um, they were willing to take a risk on Wells Ag as well. And uh, with those two uh, starting leading the way, I basically was able to, um, you know, use generics, use other, other retailers to help me get started on things I couldn't access. And really, you know, we've been in business for, I think, since 2008, um, so quite a while now. And, you know, we've grown to pretty large size, um, you know, back from when dad was doing it, I don't know, 150 times or something, you know, so it's. But, you know, we became the number, we're probably, I think I'd like to say we were the number one retailer, largest independent retailer in Iowa. Um, and really, how do we grow so fast, right? It's, it comes with a lot of things that Wells does different than a lot of other retailers. And really, the, the big core of, we have five or six different value propositions. The biggest one is Wells sells what works. We don't sell manufacturers. So we're not biased. We can't be bought. So when we have a farmer sits down, we have a lot of empathy to help him. And, you know, there might be six manufacturer corn pre-emerged products from six different manufacturers um, that all work the same. You know, the guy's got an issue with watering him. So we're going to look at, okay, here's the six potential options. And, you know, we're going to narrow it down for that farmer based off what he's saying, based off how he purchases his needs, some of these companies have rebate programs. They've got John Deere financing. Sometimes it's resprays. And so we'll kind of narrow it down into a two or three options. Give the farmer the options and then let him decide. <clears throat> no way, shape, or form are we ever leaning one way or the other. And I think that's kind of the, the thing in the industry today is, you know, you can go around and say, okay, well, that independent retailer, you know, he's, he's a bear retailer. Oh, and you go over to that retailer and he's a Syngenta retailer. You go over to that that retailer, he's a Corteva dealer. And, you know, with Wells, 
we are we aren't any of that you know and to, to be able to achieve that you have to have access to all and have the buying power and the volume to make all of them happy without trying to make them happy so it's organically you know we're able to and if you look at our you know bsf bear corteva syngenta you know where do we stack um you know how does each one of those guys stack they're all pretty darn equal um, in the total scope of business. So it really does show that, um, you know, they're all succeeding with us and going forward without us, you know, leveraging them and, and, and letting them buy us with influential money. And, you know, there's some, there's some companies out here, uh, distributors out here that they'll even, you know, they'll even, uh, they've got some proprietary generics and adjuvants and, They'll come in here and say, "Hey, Grant, why don't you buy our proprietaries and our and our uh, adjuvants and generics?" And I'll say, "Well, you know, one key thing in business, I've always, you know, always learned, or you know, from the start here is, you know, always take a meeting. You never know who's going to go come through that door." And so I, I took that meeting and um, I said, "Well, I had my assumptions of why I wasn't going to buy from you today." And I said, "You know, thank you." And and you know, but basically. They wanted to lead with, you know, I was I was able to purchase the product for thirty dollars a gallon lower than what they were offering it to me for. And I said, you know, what's the catch? You know, you're you're a little bit higher, you're quite a bit higher than what I could get today. And they said, well, hey Grant, we didn't tell you about the good part. The good part here is, is we're going to pay you and your sales guys this nice bonus commission program, to where if you have a sales guy that hits their uh, some target goals with some adjuvants and generics we're going to send that guy to hawaii and real real quick it 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 came clear um who's paying for that right because i'm going to pay 30 dollars more and then i'm going to then mark it up because we have you know overhead so who pays for it jordan the farmer pays for it (laughs) yeah because they're paying for the inflated inflated costing so there has to be somebody out here. So Wells is not for sale. You know, there's a lot of times, you, you, there's a lot of independents that have, have fallen to the wayside or really in the last two, three years in Iowa, there's a lot of them have sold out. Wells is not for sale. Um, you know, for, for us, what motivates us to get up every day is, is really a, to expose the truth, um, to be that light for a, a farmer um, and, and to basically showing him things he's never seen. And having a an unbiased way of going at it, um, that's how we've been able to grow to the size we are. The, you know, we built that word called trust. And you know, once you have that trust with a farmer or customer, um, it takes a lot of responsibility year in year out to lead with your best foot forward, not let that flashy bonus from some company sway you one way or the other. And you stand tall, recommending good agronomy. And it just takes a lot of uh, responsibility to achieve that. And, you know, our crew of um, – we have 42 employees that work here. You know, we, uh, we, have, a, we have that montage here. You know, you know, the customer's first. The customer's always right. And, you know, that's – I think that really shows through with, you know, our employees that we have here. They're, it's not about them. You, know, you go to a lot of retailers and the employees say, well, what's in it for me? That's not my job. You know, I'm not staying past four to do that. And it's really it's a culture problem um, that, that you get at those, at those organizations. So at our, the Wells culture is, hey, we're going we're gonna to lead with our best foot forward, and we're going to keep adjusting with the grower demands and adjusting our, you know, our business model to make sure we're, we're really ch- achieving what a farmer really wants out of a retailer.
Mm-hmm. So that's a long-winded answer for you, Jordan. Uh, yeah, yeah, I think we. Yeah, I think we got a good yeah. background of what you do and kind of your core values. And yeah, no, I like that one part you said on. I just let you ramble on, learn from you a little bit, but always take a meeting. That's a good. That's good advice for everybody. And um, oh yeah, you know, I think the gaining the farmer's trust is huge too. That a lot of people fail to figure out, and I think a lot of new startups in the space just think they're gonna prance right in just because of their technology or their product and be successful. But I think there's a lot more to it in ag. But um, let's rewind a little bit and uh, yeah, gave us a good overview. But let's talk a little bit more about how, how you first got started and made it big in the uh, ag retail space. The stuff you're doing with the fertilizer, you said it was a cold yeah. winter. And yeah. talk a little bit about that. Well, you know, I, I – uh, Every business needs a needs a uh, an opportunity, right? And and there was a, the first year or two in business, you know, I was getting farmer politely say, you know, Grant, I'm sorry, I'm not interested in your corn pre-emerge uh, products or your soybean pre-emerge products because um, you know you don't have custom application, and you know, again, this was back in '09, '08, '09, and you don't have um, you know liquid fertilizer, liquid nitrogen, and you know. Part of building trust is 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 doing things the right way. Sometimes it might be the hard way, um, and and part of that is you know I'm sitting there going, well, if I can't sell that farmer his entire needs and him can that he can trust me full on, you know I'm no good to him. So I better figure out how to get into custom application and, and liquid fertilizer. And you know so I was scouring it, looking at it, looking at it, looking at it. You know there there again that business is slightly political too. You know I was getting a lot of um, you know, no thanks uh, from some of the reps from the big nitrogen manufacturers, and and uh, I tell you, you know, it's just perseverance and 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 sniffing it out, and and you call it luck, and and luck is opportunity meets preparedness and willing to put the foot on the gas pedal, you know. So a door opened, right? And in '07 and to '08 and to '09, I think most farmers can remember um, those years. You know, in 2008. We had in June, July, our corn price hit hit eight dollars, and you know, farmers may not be aware of this, but you know, kind of the historical way of doing business in the egg retail space is is um, because of pre-planning and and getting trucks in in order. You know, retailers buy their fertilizers right at that same time, you know, right around July, and at that point, you know, it was a lot of scare tactic selling, um, a lot of um, you know, there's there's not going to be enough nitrogen guys. And, you know, they're going to, because there's going to, you know, talks of planting corn in Florida, right. And, and, you know, getting rid of tobacco and planting corn, you know, even if you get 50 bushels, it's more lucrative. And so a lot of scare tactic selling of you better load up big time. You better fill every tender truck you got because this, this sucker is going to sell out quick. And, you know, unfortunately um, the farmer didn't decide at that point that he wanted to buy his fertilizers, um, you know, but the retailers went ahead and did. And, you know, no one in this industry had seen $8 corn, you know, right now this year we're nearing on knocking the repeating history here, um, but no one had seen that. So a lot of fertilizer manufacturers are kind of like going, going, man, uh, shit, I bet we can mark this stuff up a lot more. So they did. Took her up to seven, eight hundred, nine hundred dollars a ton for, you know, liquid thirty-two percent and dry and, and you know dry fertilizers, but mainly the liquids is what we were into at the time, and and so they bought, 
And from and if you guys can remember in 08, from July to December, the market uh, the prices went down. And farmers usually like to start locking in you know, inputs in December, Jan, Feb. And by December, Jan, Feb, the price is $3 corn. And yeah, I can remember getting a lot of phone calls um, you know, from current customers that had bought their post products from me the year prior and fungicides. And, and uh, they said, Granny, you heard what's going on? And they're, and they're going, there's just no way we can pay these prices. We're going to lose our butts if we lock that stuff in and we only have $3 corn to justify it. You know, something's got to give here. You know, to me, that was almost a cry for help. And it was, a, it was a, me going, here's some guys that trust me. And, you know, I better sniff into this. And, and, you know, law of supply and demand, economics, you know, supply, you know, is, is uh, you know, obviously got demand went way down as the, 30, as the $3 corn price showed up. And so there's a lot more supply there than, than demand. So, you know, manufacturers of nitrogen, they're similar to ethanol plants. They can't really shut them down. They got to keep making it. And so they will keep lowering the price until supply equals demand. And uh, at that point, you know, markets had plummeted pretty good. And I remember uh, going, wow, here's the opportunity. Here's the door that just opened. Uh, here's a way for me to help these guys out. And I remember looking out my window. It was, uh, I don't know, 10 feet of snow, it seemed like, drifts going around the window, and it was zero degrees out. And I'm going, how in the heck am I going to excavate dirt, buy a tank, you know, do all this in a span of three months? And, you know, some people maybe would have, would have just you said, you know, maybe next year. You know, maybe we can get into this next year. and Or maybe I can go find some farmers that have some of their own storage. You know, at this point in time, in 08, 09, most farmers don't have any storage. And the business was done with a lot of nurse trailers and, and uh, cone tanks being dropped off, um, you know, from, from current places. So what I went ahead and did was looked at the EPA laws. One 5,000-gallon poly tank um, could be dropped on a farmer's farm without any diking or containment required. And, um, you know, a, a tanker load of 32%, 25 tons, about 4,800 gallons, would fit, you know, fit in that the same tank. So our bill of lading could be our scale ticket. So I didn't have to sink in a scale and, and or a, a tank. So we hauled direct from the terminal to the farm. And I tell you, pretty emotional for farmers that year. Um, they said, you know what, Grant, you know, what else do you got? You know, you know they're not dropping their prices. They're not. Uh, they're forcing us to eat. You know, eat their bad decision, and it just doesn't set with me. You know, and what else you got? So our chemical sales went went wild. Um, you know, because everybody emotionally wanted that. They wanted our seed. They wanted our seed treatments. They wanted everything we were selling. And so that year, basically, I could, you know it was like a it was like a blur. I slept at the desk, very tenacious, wasn't going to fail going to fulfill my commitments, um, doing what I said I was going to do. And, and uh, that was the year when, uh, yeah, we basically tripled the volume and, and, you know, we rolled all the profitability we had that year right back into the business, into infrastructure and more tanks and basically be able to, to re reload the gun um, and uh, be able to, you know, continue to invest in the farmer. So I just tell, you know, business owners out there, um, you know, when you see a door open, that's a lot of times uh, – you know, isn't a, isn't a coincidence. And, uh, you know, be prepared, um, be waiting for that. And big thing is no one to put the foot down the gas pedal and don't let up, you know. Mm -hmm. And, so, you know, so looking you, back at it now, we're one of the largest UAN suppliers in, in Iowa, um, definitely in the top five. And, and uh, you know, it, it comes to with in business that we feel is, um, you know, in every sector, it's, 
how's this currently being done today, and how can it be done differently? You know, the sector was 50 years old. Farmers are, are you know, changing. Their demographics are changing. You know, the size of the farm is changing. Farmers are smart people. They are, you know, college graduated, um, some of them MBA, you know, type, type operators, you know, that, uh, you know, so we, so we feel like we have to look at the market, how it's being done and how it can be done different. So a couple things, the nitrogen, we invested in freight, fast freight, you know, people want it now, they don't want to wait. And then our loading, we went to uh, the mass flow meter, state certified mass flow meter uh, method where you can pull a truck in, load a truck in 10 minutes and, and get them out of here. Um, and then we, you know, invest in a 24 hour load out as well, where a farmer can pull in here Sunday at 2 a.m. if he wants and, and get his load with his, with his, you know, his load number that we give him. I touched on that, on that uh, commercial custom spraying thing. I'll just highlight that for a second. Again, another example of, you know, how's the current business being done today and how can it be done different? And, you know, so I looked at that and, and I think you talk to a lot of retailers that own sprayers and they go, oh, man, these, these things are a wash. Um, if you if you look at a sprayer, you know it depreciates pretty good, and almost like a brand new boat in, in some cases. And uh, then you look at uh, the labor pool, and you know there's actually a lot of labor, good laborers out here. But in rural Iowa, you know, I mean, as you get the third and fourth sprayer, it's you know it becomes a training thing, and and you know the experience is going down. And and so what I went to was, you know, at the time in in nine, you know, in ten, eleven, twelve. You know, there's a lot of young guys in my in my market that were coming back to the farm. You know, when you come back to the farm, a lot of times there's not a lot of cash flow there. Farmers and families will look for alternative sources of income. You know, you see a lot of hog barns getting popped up or turkey barns getting popped up, and that those are great. Um, farmers that do that, it's it's great. But you know, like I saw with myself, you know, livestock's not for everybody. You know, I I uh, spent my entire high school career power washing hog barns, you know, and, and uh, it just made me a little jaded on going back in another one, another one of them, you know. So what we did was, hey, let's go to the farming family and let's provide a secondary form of income um, that's, that's not in town, gives them pride, and uh, went to the first guy and said, why don't you buy a sprayer? You buy the sprayer. We'll control the process for you. We'll make sure you're paid weekly, you know, whatever you want, to, want paid, We'll float the AR to the farmer customer for you. And uh, basically, your son now, who's you kind of feel like you got extra labor once in a while, you know, has a justified thing to do and, and a source of income. And most of these farmers, um, if they can make their payments and uh, get a good amount of, you know, acres, you know, twenty five to 35,000 acres, uh, you know, they can make sixty to $90,000. And it's a great thing and do it as a family and the big thing is you know what we get benefit out of it and really our customers get benefit out of it is you get you get somebody vested you know you get a farmer spraying for a farmer and it's kind of neat to see the farmers are pretty proud people and rightfully so they a lot to be proud of and you know they'll they'll make sure the corners are sprayed you know if it rained Monday Tuesday Wednesday Thursday Friday and the sun's come out and they got a thousand acres to spray and there's another rain shower coming Monday. You know, a lot of our competition, they just they just don't work the weekend. You know, it comes comes in season, and and you know, you get somebody vested, they work the weekend. You know, it's Saturday, Sunday, they're going, and they get those acres done, and they develop a relationship with the farmer too. It's kind of neat to see, you know, the applicator. They'll get to know the the farmer, and it's it's pretty cool because now we'll see an applicator. He just nestles right into one area year in year out for the same farmers year after year after year. And, you know, what Weld gets is we don't have to try to leverage our balance sheet and flip ratios around with assets that depreciate and, 
and managing overhead with labor um, to manage all that, you know, we're able to make it a win-win. Um, you know, we, you know, we, we hold our square guys accountable, and, you know, it really doesn't take much because farmers are pretty accountable people, and uh, we call it the Wells Egg 24-hour standard. 24-hour standard is uh, corn pre, bean pre, we spray, spray within 24 hours. Um, this year has been pretty easy to achieve that. You know, it's been dry, but last year, I don't know if everybody remembers in Iowa, took four days, they planted the entire crop in the whole state. You know, and last year we achieved the 24-hour uh, standard uh, last year. So, you know, with being able to um, get these guys a good source of income, we have basically a list, you know, going out the back door of all these people that want in to be a sprayer. And really it's a, it's a great model to, you know, that people should look at and, and should mimic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I want to – let's go back a little bit too to where I think this is where a lot of guys get tripped up. Um especially in rural America and a lot of farmers, and I think you did a great job of it. But when you first hit it big with the fertilizer stuff, um, I think a lot of guys do hit it big, but then they kind of get stuck in the mud and don't know where to go from there or kind of the next step. So that next year when you started to expand into other stuff, what do you you think like the – what was the biggest move or like best lesson you could teach someone – moving forward to to take their business to scale like you did oh you bet i mean there's a couple things in there and and really the the first one is is going to be um you know opportunity cost of your time um there's a lot of farmers my dad was guilty of this uh, looking back now and how he how he did things um he definitely micromanaged every aspect and you know, a guy's got to look at, really hone in on himself and go, you know, what is it that Grant Wells, what is it that Jordan Van Trump, what is it that I do better, you know, than anyone else? What is it that I enjoy doing? Because that's usually what you do better. And, you know, what is that? And so for me, um, it was just these light bulb moments. People ask me, you read books? And I'm like, no, I just, it's just things I've just lived through. And, and uh, you know, it's one of those nights, you know, where I'm filling out bills and, writing checks to some employees and you know that I'm kind of a I like to set goals and get them done before I go on to the next thing and so the next morning I was stuck doing some of that paperwork stuff and got to be about 11 o'clock and I got caught up now I'm going back to what do I do best and that was sales and customer service and customer relations and and I tell you what knock out of the park you know I, I get there spend five six hours seven hours on that and uh just totally just have so much success and and uh, I look back and I go, man, I wonder what I could have done with the first five hours. If I just had those five hours that I just wasted doing that paper, wasn't wasting, but if I had those hours to do what I do best, I bet you I could pay three people to do some of those jobs. And I tell you, you know, it, it's a tough thing. It's, 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 it's easier to take that risk when, when you're starting with that. There we go. It's, it's, uh, it's easier to take that risk. Um, you know, when you start out maybe small, you get an hourly employee it's not, you know, it hurts the, hurts the gut a little bit, um, you know, that you're taking some risk. You know, you've got more mouths to feed. And, but I tell you what, the um, very first one for me was uh, Brian Meyer, um, you know, from Pomeroy. Um, he's my, uh, my, my controller, uh, my financial accountant that sits here. And I tell you what, he was my first bigger wage, and it, and it made me want to puke almost. Um, you know, I'd say Brian, some, you know, massive half million dollar type guy i'm just saying that you know brian's an awesome guy and it was a big wage for me at the time and and so i remember stewing about that and and uh really really thinking about it, praying about it and within the first quarter you know our profitability was up 3x on a net net profitability 
there was things that I wasn't catching. There was things that I wasn't looking at. And I'm going, my God, we're more profitable with him on board um, than when we weren't. And, and having, you know, gives us information at my fingertips. You know, I have P&Ls on dealers. I have P&Ls on salesmen. I have P&Ls on the company, balance sheets. It got me to be a better manager. And so today, really, the 40-some people we have here today is, is really a, um, you know, a thing of me trusting the, trust in the data, you know, trust in the principle. It's at the principle in business, I call it, you know, that you have to hire and delegate 100,000%. And if you can't do that, you will never get past the next milestone, the next level, unless a guy can learn that. And really, it's, it's a gut. I mean, it's, it's how, how strong is your gut? I, you know, we can read in books all we want, but until you get in the middle of it. So I would just say, you know, have that gut tolerance, that knowing that, yeah, you know, don't risk the farm, don't risk the business of going under completely, but, you know, take that risk, that calculated risk, that that person's going to help you excel. And I can tell you today, uh, uh, my office where it sits here, it, it uh, uh, it's the main route coming in and out. And I see sem- semis and van trailers and tankers coming in and out of this place all day long out my window, and I have no idea where they're coming and where they're going. And when you get to that point um, – and have happy customers on the other end. I mean, that's that's really the way to scale and the and the way to grow it. And but you know, it's not as, as easy just hiring anybody. You know, you have to find the right people. And you know, if you look hard enough, those people are out there. Um, you know, I learned that lesson a long time ago. Tried hiring people from you know maybe just quick quick cheap you know off the street or whatever that could do something you know that basically breathed air and. and uh, you know, it just found out that it just wasn't uh, wasn't working out, and the cost of training uh, someone is immense. You don't think about it until you go through it. It's a nine month uh, nine month to a year um, time frame to train them, and uh, so identify those skills. There's been some things as you get higher level with um, personality assessments and things where you can kind of pin a guy down on exactly who he is and and whatnot, and and um, you'll look at you know, exercise all those things to get good people like uh, we use Indeed, um, you know, Facebook, Indeed, and then, you know, some headhunters, um, you know, along with some PI assessments to try to, you know, try to find the right people. And that's that's very critical. And the last thing I'd say, uh, you know, is, is going to be uh, never burn a bridge. I don't know how many times I've wanted to stand there with a blowtorch and blow that, you know, you get, you get, you get somebody that, you know, you do right by the farmer, and uh, that's what I do. And then pretty soon a vendor just basically screws you, and you're going, "Oh, I'd like to tell him where, where he can go." But you know, the more you can have, um, take the high road, bite your lip, and don't burn that bridge. I don't know how many times I can methodically think in my head two or three, four times that I wanted to do it, and I recrossed that bridge. Um, I don't know how many times. I had a contractor in here that totally screwed up one of my my off my first office, and I tell you what. Um, seven years later, um, you know, I just, I took the high road, walked the other way, you know, didn't get all grumpy about it. And seven years later, I had an opportunity to, uh, get in and sell, um, you know, some chicken manure for a large corporate chicken farm. And the guy that was, uh, kind of in there was this contractor, you know, they had hired him, you know, full-time as an employee. And he remembered my, you know, how gracious I was and just, you know, took the high road at, I don't know if he even felt guilty about it or what, but boy, he was sure championing for me to get that contract in there, and and uh, boy, we we got it, you know. And and I can tell you story after story after story. So it's it's pretty critical to you know treat your vendors with respect and and don't burn a bridge, and it'll usually usually always always work out in the end.
Mm-hmm. What did it look like training Brian when you first brought him on? Is that his name? Yeah. Well, here, here's a situation where... Well, it was just where, you guys. Yeah, you know, training Brian. I mean, here's a situation where, I mean, that's something that I wasn't really that great at as far as doing my own accounting. I had a third-party accountant that I was getting my statements. And so really with that, I, you know, Brian had 20 years of experience as a controller, so I was more looking for him to help help the business. So... You know, I'd say other aspects, though, of things that I control, like sales and procurement, you know, as I got myself going, okay, Grant, you do sales and procurement well, I still needed to copy myself, and I still needed to basically help, you know, dump off procurement, but I had to train them to do it the way I do it, because I really felt like it was, you know, the best way. And so what I did was found a good a good uh, um, guy with the right skills, excuse me, the right skills, the right attitude out of college. And I call it, put them in the hot seat. Uh, in my office, I've got a, a desk and a computer and a chair, and I put them in that chair. And uh, I said, listen to how I talk, why I talk, my tone, why I do things, and, you know, ask a lot of questions. And after nine months, I mean, even now he's been here three years, um, I mean, that I mean that, that guy I've got here doing our procurement, I mean, he could, he could procure for, you know, anybody. He could procure for Winfield, you know. So it's uh, – you know, that's kind of been some ways, you know, we've been able to train people. Just let them job shadow you, you know, follow, put them in the sprayer with you, put them in the planter tractor with you, and, and um, know that, and just know, be committed that it's going to take nine months to a year to, to basically get him, get him to where he can, you know, be self-sustaining. Yeah, when, when, so when do you, like, cut ties with anybody, say, hell, it ain't working out? Like, do you, have you, you know, cut I'm, ties with anybody a, you brought on, or? You know, there's a lot of, you know, I'm, I'm young, only 35, you know, there's a lot of things that maybe may develop in, in my path going forward. But, you know, I, my, my thing with cutting people, I've, I've fired very, very few people. Um, and that really comes down to uh, picking the right ones. And, you know, the ones that we have, have fired or let go, very few, we've been pretty gracious about it, you know, and, and trying to give them warnings and, and give them coaching about how they can do better at their job. And, and, um, you know, really, when I when I when I have an employee that I you know I thought would be good at maybe accounting, but he's really good at something different, and, and he's he's just a rock star. I mean, I I will change the role. I'll, I will realign uh, job duties and say, okay, you're now going to run this in this department because you've identified you've got the skills for it, and we're going to migrate these other duties to this person and this person, and and really kind of morph them around that. Um, you know, again, we're a growing company, and there's a lot of lot of you know, chances to wear different hats around here, and and uh, so that's really uh, cut ties. Is they've got to they've got to go through the gauntlet of me trying to reposition them into a different, you know, different job role. Or you know, it really comes down to attitude. Uh, you, you know, you can tell if they want to be here or if they don't. And if they don't, I mean, there's been a few, and and uh, basically you go through the process of uh, giving them their chances. And and uh, you know, unfortunately, uh, Wells Egg has never paid one unemployment claim. And, you know, so I think that's a, a testament that, um, you know, it's, it's been negligence on the employee's um, part and for why they've been let go consistently late. Um, so you've got to know when to cut ties. But the biggest thing is make sure you're hiring them right on the front side. You know, invest in those mm-hmm. those different matrices to really know who you're getting. Cool. Yeah, let's uh, let's jump into a little bit about you. Let's talk. Um, I know you yeah. said you like to go to the lake. I know you, I hear from a lot of guys. You're a big hunter. You go on some crazy hunting trips. So, what do you want to talk about first? Your family? 
Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah, I've got a great family, uh, uh, daughter. She's a year and a half old. Uh, Eva's her name and, and, uh, wife, Michelle and, and, um, you know, all great. Yeah, I like to like go like spend time with them on the weekends and summer and winter, just like to nestle in and, and spend time with them. And yeah, my hunts when I, uh, you know, go do some of that, you know, I, I work a lot of hours and, you know, it's, I've, I've been fortunate to be able to go on hunts. I know, a lot of people that maybe would like to go to maybe can't afford to, but that's just something for me. I, I make time for it. I think it's important that everybody has time in their lives where they can really unwind and really think about and reflect on what's going on and, and where they're going. And and so for me, it it turned out, you know, it turned out the first couple of years is just, you know, me wanting to kill an animal, put on my wall, but it really morphed into, you know, the experience. Um, it gets me out of my, out of my, uh, my bubble. Um, you know, there'd be, people in Alaska that I'll run into, you know, and, and pretty soon we're having a discussion about, you know, yeah, building a business or, or, you know, something, something else, you know, and you keep those friendships and, but, uh, yeah, there's been a lot of, lot of, lot of good hunts, uh, from wolves to, to moose to mountain lions, uh, red stags, uh, the whole, you know, bears, the elk, um, the whole gamut, got a lot, a lot more we're going to go on. And, um, can remember our, my last hunt here this last year in September is for the Alaskan moose. And, you know, it's uh, the first uh, six days they flew us into a, a nice little valley where they had spotted a moose the day before. And, and we camped uh, camped there. You camp, you know, you just camp for 14 days. You don't, you don't take any shower. It's uh, it's pretty nice, though. It was six days of beautiful sunshine, 65. Uh, couldn't, couldn't find that moose. And they decided to move us, so they moved us to a different area. And uh, had a moose in this valley. And, well, the, we woke up to uh, you know piss pounding rain and and uh, you know he, you know heavy wind. And well, we knew that moose moose don't really uh, sit too long. They they like to travel. We knew that moose was down in that that ravine or that that big river embankment. And we had a choice to make. You know, do we go or do we sit? And you know, I don't know if this is tenaciousness or just stupidness, but. You know, I told the guide, I'm like, well, I came here to shoot a moose, and uh, let's do it, you know. And so we hiked out there, got soaking wet. You know, again, I, you know, maybe more balls and brains at that point. But um, got soaked to the bone and got back. And, and uh, the next day, there again, a three-mile hike back up to the same point, And felt like we were in the Marines sitting out there, you know, hudged up against a, a big boulder. And they did that for five days. And, uh, I mean, at this point, at point, it was a little bit personal. And, uh, the last day the sun came out, there's a big old rainbow going over that, uh, over that big river. And, uh, I tell you what, there he was, you know, sitting there right in a killable spot about a thousand yards away and hiked in on him and got him killed. And it was just a, just a testament. The first six, six days was a lot of reflecting. And the, the last six was me tripping her back on and going, all right, Moose, you know, it's me and you now, and this is, you know, we're going to fight to the end. And, you know, so it's always fun to win and, you know, and, and, uh, and overcome. And that's, yeah, that's part of it too. You know, the physical battle, um, you know, hiking that far every day in the rain and knowing, uh, you know, you could be tapping out right now. And, and, and really when he got back to the lodge, uh, after we killed it, uh, there were four guys that had 10 hunters, I think in the camp and four of them there had tapped out, you know, four days earlier so it's just uh, it's a lot of fun and, and uh, a lot of fellowship with a lot of that and whatnot. Is that too. your favorite hunt? Did I tell you about did I tell you about our nutritional sector um, and what we're doing with that, Jordan? No, we haven't. We haven't. Is that the um, 
that the uh, what's it called Biodyne three six five? Fusion. Yeah, you want to know more about that or? Yeah, let's jump into it. Let's. Um, yeah. That's with the. Uh, is that with the biologicals or? Is that a lot of? Yeah, it is. Yeah. Well, same uh, same passion that we carry in the herbicides and really how we go about it with expose the truth. You know, build trust, give farmers an unbiased opinion. Um, same story uh, with that. We had uh, six years ago, um, no, more than that, I think it was eight years ago, I got tipped off Monsanto was investing in biologicals. You're going to call it Monsanto BioEgg. And I knew just them launching it uh, was going to get some, some validation in the market, some people to at least ask what is a biological. And because we built our business on trust, I knew we were going to have a lot of customers calling and saying, what do you think of that, you know, biological? And really, you know, they're not regulated by the EPA, and there's really no way to prove or disprove other than put it, you know, put your money where your mouth is and, and try it. So part of my farm, you know, it gets turned into a, a massive uh, research plot of a bunch of different farms that we do it on. And, you know, I found real quick I honed in on a lot of different biologicals, and the one that worked the best was uh, Biodyne. Yeah, they're out of Fort Wayne, Indiana. And uh, developed a partnership with those guys, started selling it based off performance, and built, uh, built out a three-year history of data and really kind of launched it to the rest of the market after that. You know, and so really felt comfortable. We were with the right people, the right company, just the family-owned company, um, the uncle who's the microbiologist, been doing it since the 80s, and they have a great product. And, you know, I was trying to figure out zinc, manganese, iron, cap, copper, calcium, boron, and all of that stuff. And and uh, you take a lifetime. You know, you you take a tissue test, you send it into Midwest Labs, and they send you back, you know, they say, hey, yeah, you're good, or you're not good. Okay, well, then when you're, when you're good or not good, you, you start scratching your head and you're going, wait a minute, my goal was to get, you know, high yield, 270 corn, 300 corn. You know, so you call in there and go, okay, wait a minute, am I good for 300 or am I good for 250? Because 250 is what I've always got. Well, then they say, you know, well, you know, that score is our average for the last 60 years, you know, and I'm going, okay, you know, so this is the average for 60 years ago. And I can remember 60 years ago, I can remember what dad was saying, you know, that grandpa got 150 bushel of corn, you know, so I'm going, wait a minute, this, basically this data is no good. And I'm going, well, we're going to have to build the data from the ground up. There were some players out here, some high-yield individuals, um, you know, from different states that they could tip you off on a few things if you paid them ten grand. Um, kind of one of those things where we'll we'll give you ten percent of the truth if you pay us. And uh, you know, it just just pissed me off. So I'm going, you know what? We got to figure this out. And um, went to work on it. And and um, Gil, the owner of Biodyne, approached me. He says, "Hey, Grant, you know, we're we're trying to get into some other micronutrients as well. And and what do you think about this and that?" And I said, "Well, Gil, my my goal is to figure out the the targets and what do we need for corn and soybean production and and figure out the products that will get us there and the rates and the timings and you know, I'm trying to run a business, do all this stuff, and you know, I'm going. It's going to take me a lifetime, you know, to figure that out, you know, and and I, you know, if you haven't." You'll tell already. I'm a little impatient. You know, I like to I like to get it and get it now. And uh, anyway, luckily, um, another door opening. Uh, we had, uh, or, well, should say Gill, and said, so, well, let's do that together. Okay, so that's BW Fusion is Biodyne and Wells doing that together, finding the targets. Well, we had a door open the very first year we started, and it was a guy named Bodie Kitchell out of Fort Wayne, Indiana. You know, Bodie uh, 
is a principal's ethics guy. If you look him up on Twitter, he's got thousands of followers. Um, you know, young guy too, um, as well as you know, similar age to me. And you know, he's got to where he's gotten by telling the truth and not you know not ever going past his ethics. And uh, he uh, he had all these consulting clients uh, that he had worked with. And anyway, he uh, all these consultant clients said, "Hey, Bodie, tell us about biologicals, right?" So he gets he gets all of them. He gets Pivot Bio. He gets Biovante. He gets Biodyne. He gets everyone out there. Again, he's not biased. And Biodyne rose to the top um, with with all their scores. And you know, Bodie had been using the 365 uh, soil and tissue platform, um, you know, to help test all these things. Um, anyway, so he went and sought out Gil at a farm show and said, hey, Gil, tell me about Biodyne because your products are good, and I like to you know, recommend the best things. And, and uh, you know, a guy like Bodie, you, you can't buy a guy like Bodie. You know, he's, he's going to work for the right company for the right reason. He didn't need a job either. And uh, Gil, Gil went on, Gil went on attack mode, right? He says, "We need to get, we need to get Bodie on our team and working for us." Here he is, got all these ethics, and he's telling us my stuff's best. And boy, I would like that guy on my team. And and uh, so it took a lot of massaging. Uh, I think if you ask Bodie someday, he'll say, "Yeah, you know, they had to interview me, interview me five times before they hired me." Well, no, Bodie Kitchell was interviewing Grant and Gil five times before Bodie wanted to uh, take the job. And you know, I say what Bodie. Uh, couple things there i told bodie i said bw fusion is going to sell what works or we ain't selling it that's it and we're going to have the the facts to back it up or we ain't dicking with it it's not worth the farmer's time our time no one's time if we're just selling whimsical mythical stories about what we think might happen and that's today how the nutritional markets are done right um you know they get a they get a a, a tissue test from you know, they do a couple things here. You know, they get a tissue test from some lab, and it says, you know, you're short. So then they sell you a product that's got some boron in it. They say, yeah, you know, go out there to pint. Yeah, you've got boron, and yeah, it's got a little zinc in there, and a little manganese in there too, and a little ZMB. And, uh, you know, uh, yeah, you just check all, you know, you're just going to check all them boxes now. Well, the problem is you go spray that, there's no, there's no, there's no tissue response. It didn't get in the plant. In fact, there wasn't enough micronutrients in that blend to do shit. And so that's what's the 365, you know, Bodie says, I'll work for you. Um, I, I, like, I like that you want to sell what works and you're going to find products that do. And, and, but, uh, you know, I, I, like, I like you guys. I'll, 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 let's go. And anyway, we brought, he says, but we're going to bring the 365 platform to it. And so, again, a lot of people out here will sell products based off you know, a tissue test that doesn't have the right data and then they're not following back up with it, you know, did it work? And, you know, the other side is if it's a biostimulant like a sugar or a humic or something like that, you know, it's this long-winded answer of big words talking over your head, you know, to try to basically, you know, sell you on the fact that I'm smarter than you and I know how the corn plant wakes up in the morning and I know how it, you know, dreams about rainbows and, and you know, fairy dust about, you know, how it loves sugar, you know. Well, fusion isn't about that. We, you know, we don't put a lot of BS in, in anything. In fact, in fact, I, I'm a black and white guy. You know, I can't, I can't operate in that area. You know, just I can't do it. And so what I love about 365 is, is exposing the truth. So who built it? Jason Schley, Alpena, South Dakota, built the program. If you ever meet the guy, stand-up guy, still no, I haven't. 
he yeah i haven't i haven't met sly but i, I think i maybe had a I don't know if I had a video call with him not too long ago or not with uh, yeah one of our good clients, John Nelson, up that way. Yeah, heck yeah, he knows them. I guess they're they're a pretty big company, aren't they? Well, I tell you, they they're they're getting there. Um, the whole basis, Jason's been doing this for twenty years, trying to build the data, and the whole basis is really started out at South Dakota. The weather's pretty variable, so we need to find what's limiting and just invest in those things and. And then it turned into Jason's, uh, you know, he consults high-yield farmers all over the nation. And, and uh, really, it's his, you know, it's his program that, that we've been able to utilize. But basically, it's, you know, Jason doesn't sell products, right? He's just, uh, his, his is just the data. So Fusion, you know, was able to utilize this program and then build products around, you know, tissue, tissue and soil moves. So it's not just tissue, but it ties into the soil as well. And you know, CO2 bursts, carbon levels, um, how much is ammoniacal versus nitrate nitrogen, plant available P and K. You know, and we've been, been able to discover so many things about, you know, how fertility is uptaken and, and debunked it. And been able to debunk, you know, popular nutritional products that are on the market. You know, you got a 5% increase in, 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 your, in your zinc, manganese, boron. Hey, we found a technology out of Germany that will raise it 40% you know, for less money. And so Fusion is going to grow very fast. It's something you're going to hear a lot about. Um, a couple of reasons. Uh, we have the information. We have the products. Um, we now just need to tell, tell the story. You know, what makes us different than Pivot Bio? What makes us different than BioVante? Well, what makes us different, which is I think the good different, is uh, we're not backed by venture capital money. You know, when you get a company, you know, that doesn't have to make money, they just want to, build market capital, um, just to hopefully sell or spin the thing off for seven to ten times EBITDA. And, you know, do you think they really care about their product or their customer? Probably not, you know. And so what we've been able to do is show them that, guys, uh, Fusion's not for sale. We're not backed by venture money. And uh, we have to talk to you next year and the year after and the year after that. And so we're never going to violate our business ethics just to get a sale because you're going to remember that next year. And, you know, we want long-term repeat buyers, um, and really we want to basically just expose the truth to farmers, um, things they've been doing and, and how biologicals work and, and um, you know, what they can do for them. And it's, it's, it's pretty fun uh, to see that. You know, it doesn't mean that we have to work – every farmer that we work with has to try to raise 300, 350 bushel corn – but it could be a deal where, okay, here's a farm over here that's suffering. Let's tell you why. You know, here's a farm over here that, or, you know, just in general, I want to raise 200 bushel corn as absolutely affordably and as efficient as possible. Okay, well, let's show you that you've been way overloading the system in these two sectors and you haven't been paying attention to these, these eight sectors. You know, so that's really what it's about. And I, I feel like we're going we're gonna to blow up quick just because we're doing the, the business the right way. Um, we have the mm-hmm. right motives. And uh, I feel like our formula and our products have the, you're going to, you know, are going to be able to wave the storm of, of all these biologicals. When you've got all these biologicals launching the market, I would challenge people, you know, that word, you know, it gets used dangerously. Um, you know, not all biologicals are created equal. What we like about the Biodyne one that we sell is it's a team. You know, there's 26 different strains of different nitrogen-fixating sulfur solubilizing, phosphorus solubilizing, iron fixating. You know, we have bacteria that create rooting hormones um, for, the, for the roots. So it's a whole big team approach, and we have three teams, different teams. 
And in some cases, we'll use two teams at once, and we'll basically we'll give you 50 different biological strains doing different things. And if anybody, you know, anybody out here says that they know everything about this specific biological, I mean, you have to you have to test for everything you want to test for. You know, so there's so many things that we're going to learn about biologicals in the future. And I just feel like today, as we sit in the market, Biodyne has the best product, um, the best go-to market, um, you know, strategy. And I really like where we're sitting with the fusion and being able to help the farmers, you know, really expose the truth. We're not we're not going to put a meeting on and say, you know, pay us ten thousand bucks and we'll we'll give you a little bit of information. Now, for very mm-hmm. minimal amount, we're going to tell you all the information. Mm-hmm. And that's really how what, we're. What do you think about the uh, venture capitalist money um, coming in the biological space? I mean, it seems like it's poured on here pretty recently especially a pivot bio and a CFBN's getting in the space. Do you think that you think that helps the space moving forward or hurts the space? I'm, it hurts I'm pretty it. torn I mean, on it, but I, I think it hurts it. Um, honestly, you know, yeah, okay. Everybody's now hearing the word across the nation biological. So you're getting people to maybe market acceptance of the word in the product. But unfortunately, um, not all biologicals are created equal. It'd be like it'd be like saying chemicals you know, put chemicals on. Well, there's HPPDs, there's, you know, there's all kinds of different kinds that do different things. They have, resi- you know, residuals, they don't. It's the same thing in biologicals. They are all 100% different. So, you know, the, the word needs to be like, you know, biostimulant or, I don't know, something different. But they're basically, you know, going to give the, the industry a bad reputation. Um, you know, we've seen uh, one company just just go down and and sold out to a major conglomerate, and and uh, you know they had a lot of issues in the field. And uh, I'm not going to say names on that, but um, anyway, uh, the Pivot Bios and the FBNs of the world, um, you know, good luck to you. Um, what I've seen to this product up to this point, I'm not going to hold a candle flame to what Biodyne has. And unless they reprice it the right way, there you know the acceptance is going to. You know, they're going to have to find new customers every year. You know, they're going to have to put a lot of money into marketing because they're going to have to find new people every year because they have old people falling off. And, mm-hmm. you know, but I do have a lot of, you know, faith in that, you know, we get the right people involved, um, with the right ethics. You know, there's a lot to learn. Um, Biodyne may not always be the best biological in the nation, right? I mean, there's going to be somebody out here that might that might uh, be able to whoop it, and that's fine. You know, it, it that's free market capitalism, and that's what makes us all better. And, you know, when you get a venture capitalist at all, I mean, your 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 motivations are skewed. You know, and I can just imagine myself working for one of those companies as a salesman. You know, and you know, and we've hired some, you know, or we've interviewed some of these guys. You know, and and um, a lot of pressure put on you. And when you got a lot of pressure on you, you know, with a product that's overpriced and maybe underperforming, and you go to a farm, what is it? What's the natural instinct going to be? Right? You're going to lie. You're going to you're gonna make false promises. You're gonna do all that because you know you your 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 job's on the line. You know, and so that's I mean, fortunately that's that's business today. But Fusion is is uh, dedicated to you know never being like that and and never being a high pressure sales. We're gonna sell from from education. Yeah. So what do you, what do you guys sell Biofusion on? Are you guys selling that on a yield? Um, do you guys sell it strictly on yield like some of these companies? What's your thoughts? on selling strictly on yield like guaranteed no, 10 bushel better exactly yeah no you you can't and and i tell you why there's 
you have to pay attention to all your macros and all your micros, you know, uniformly, okay? So I can tell you with one of our biologicals, it will blow phosphorus up in the plant by 45%, okay? Well, if you're not bringing zinc in a ratio to that phosphorus, you're going to get mixed results. If you put any biological in a 4 or 5 pH soil, you're going to get no response, okay? So there is definitely, um, a, um, you know, stuff we have to look at. You know, you, you could blow up that phosphorus and those big roots and make that great big plant. That's what a bio, you know, our biological is going to do. But if you don't feed it, it's boron, it's zinc, it's manganese, the rest of its vitamins to get, you know, to the equal levels, it's going to be, you know, you're only going to get enough, you know, you could get, so for instance, if you, if, with one of our products, if you had nitrogen K, all your micros just stellar, and your P was in the crapper, you'd get 30 bushels um, putting our product on. And so, you know, where if it wasn't, you might only get seven. So there's so many limiting factors, and that's what Fusion's all about is we want to help show you what it, what it does. We want to help show you that it raises CO2 bursts, that it raises carbon uh, in the soil. We want to show you that it raises phosphorus and nitrogen and sulfur. And, but we want to show you the rest of the story because there's more to it. This whole market is more, there's more to it than one product. You know, there's so many things you have to look at and, uh, you know, ways to attack it that, um, you know, we don't sell on yield. But, you know, have I ever seen it uh, less than six or seven bushels? Hardly any time. But if, if it is, it's because there's some massive red flag somewhere that we weren't willing to address or, you know, a very extremely low pH. So the thing with Fusion is we're going to be able to show you why it didn't work um, or, you know, show you along the way that, Hey, if your investment of eight dollars here in this particular product, if you want to see the max, you know, use max money out of that, here's two things that just popped up, and we need to address these two things if you want to get the best, you know, best out of that that first dollar spent. You know, so that's our kind of mentality, and and I think today that it's just like the whole nutritional sector, right? I mean, try our mix of things, and it's five bucks an acre, and you're going to get five bushel. You know, it just it's not a long term sales pitch, and and uh, really, you know, it's whimsical stories, and there's no no facts and data there, and there's too many limiting factors. So, mm-hmm. what do you what do you see? Uh, I guess what next big product do you see entering the space? I mean, two three years ago, Biologicals was pretty new, and a lot of people weren't willing to try it. Now it's blown up. What do you see? Uh, you see anything moving forward that's starting to creep up there, and starting people are starting to adopt or? There's a, there's a lot of things, really, um, that we're discovering. We're finding, um, you know, a, a certain form of humic acid ahead of soybeans is, is dynamite. Um, we're figuring out the right rates for that. Um, you know, we've got it pegged for 25 CEC soils, you know, or 10, 10 to 25 CEC soils, what, what rates it should be at. You know, beans are a net user of carbon, and they, they take more than they put back, and, um, there's just a lot of things, carbon to nitrogen ratios. Um, there's a lot of, basically a lot of data, I think, that's going to be more coming out than maybe products even uh, to show you that, you know, like K tie-ups, you know, we, there's, a, there's three or four things there that can drastically, you know, tie up K. And, and um, you know, so other than that, I mean, humic products, um, I think this whole carbon discussion is all BS. You know, there's no regulatory right now from the from the you know, government that says here's how you measure carbon. You know, we measure ours through uh, you know through Dr. Haney the way he he measures it. Um, but there's no regulatory out there, and, and you know, so basically, um, 
you know, more and more uh, biostimulants and, and I'd say just more biological um, different strains is, uh, is what I think mm-hmm. would be the big thing. And um, mm-hmm. Just spin you know, off. And, yeah. You know, similar to seed. And really the information is what's going to be revolutionary um, in, in how we can show a farmer that we had a farmer, I talked about one of our biologicals, you know, blows up phosphorus. And we had a farmer, you know, he had 40 part per million in the soil. We had another guy at 10. Now the guy, and they planted the same day, they had the same pH. The guy that had 10 used the biological. He had higher, he had, he had 30 to 40% higher phosphorus in his plant at V4 and through the whole season than the guy had that had 40 part per million in the soil. So it's unlocking what's there and exposing what's there and basically I can show that an additional investment in MAP and DAP would not have generated him any more money in that scenario. Uh, you know, different forms of sulfur, we're finding uh, there's, there's things out here that we've always been using for different sulfur sources that flat out don't work. Uh, well, they work, sorry, I shouldn't say it. They work, but they're tied up. And, you know, we actually have had a deficiency for, for six weeks, you know, not knowing it. And, so now Wells or BW Fusion recommends two different forms of sulfur, and we can show you that it works and show you why. And potash, you know, high mag, high pH, um, you know, finding ways to strip that mag, strip down that pH. Um, you know, your carbon to nitrogen ratio is very critical in, in K uptake and knowing what ratio of carbon to nitrogen you need to, to free up that K. And, and then really the, you can plug a plant up. Uh, if, you, if, you, if you're a guy that dumps out 200 pounds of 32% out there as a pre-emerged broadcast, I mean, that ties up K, K uptake. So, you know, attack, you know, attack those four things and then showing you it with data that here's the tissue, you know, with you doing it and with you not doing it. And uh, then finding other ways to actually apply K in season um, to get maximum uptake. You know, so I think it's going to revolutionize it today. I mean, we, we, uh, we go off uh, an old university historical method where we, we, we measure the soil, you know, in the fall and, we go out there with variable rate. We put more fertilizer on those areas, and and um, you know in some cases that works. You know when your pH is, and your mag mag and all these things are right, but you know if you're a guy that's that's suffering from different different issues of pH mag and all these different things I just mentioned, um, it don't matter how much more PK you put on, you're never going to see it in the plant. So a lot of it is is helping them show them how to be more efficient with their investments and how to extract the money from the things they've already put out there, and uh, all while not depleting your soil P, P and K either, because um, that's important to landlords that you maintain those levels. And uh, I th- really think that's what's going to be revolutionary uh, the next in the next five to ten years is is really figuring out how to do fertilizers different. Mm-hmm. Makes sense. So do you think? Uh biologicals are like a necessity on the farm these days like i mean there's 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 only so much you can put on the farm to stay competitive obviously um when you're getting into some of this stuff but are you thinking biologicals are something that all farmers should put on their fields or some or 100 100 percent, hundred thousand percent and if it's a budget you know we all think we all think of a removal rate of, of MAP and potash. We think that's table stakes, right? We just we put that on in the fall, and we don't think about the next year. Um, you know, let's say we get a drought or we get, we get prevent plant. We don't really ever think about that fall investment going, man, I wish I wouldn't have invested that, you know, because we all just think in our head that's table stakes, right? Well, what these biologicals are going to show is basically how to 
how to utilize that fertility different, you know, reduce what you're doing in the fall, use that budgetary money to put towards a biological to kind of help, you know, make it all work together. And that's really what we're trying to show. And, and um, you know, biologic is going to be very critical, especially getting to new yield levels, um, you know, 270, 300 type field averages that we've not seen too much of. You know, we've, a lot of Iowa farmers, they, you know, they're comfortable they can get a 230 to 250, you know, in a good, in a good year. And, and um, so really it's to get to the next levels, uh, they, they really are needed um, in the helping to grow a bigger plant and, and, and be more efficient. And, and really, you know, who knows what the government regulations we're going to have in the next umpteen years, you know, that, you know, there's a lot of phosphorus issues right now with it getting into water, you know, into creeks and stuff and, and uh, you know, nitrogen and nitrates. And these biologicals are going to help reduce um, the amount of that um, you know, and as especially as the government, you know, reduce, you know, makes us reduce it, uh, we're going to be able to show what these biologicals can do to help bridge those those gaps. Mm-hmm. Okay, they well, are very, another thing. Fusion can show how to use them in a in a program. Mm-hmm. Off topic a little bit, I did want to ask you this when we talk about hunting. Do you know the uh, Boyt family up there? Uh, who's that? Boyt, the Boyt gun case people. Uh-uh. Oh, yeah. Yeah, they're up in Iowa. I don't remember where, but they do some pretty cool gun cases. They're pretty nice, and oh, we sell okay. them to a lot of our guys through our ag swag company. But, yeah, they're based out of Iowa sure. family business. But, yeah, check them out. They yep. do some sure. pretty cool stuff. I don't know exactly where they're at, but I didn't mean to ask you that. But, yeah, well, I guess I've uh, we've rambled on probably long enough, and we've talked sure. about a lot of good things. I guess before we wrap things up, though, um, I'd love for you to tell our listeners – one piece of advice or life lesson that's had the most impact on Grant Wells. You know, I, I reiterate some of that, but it's a it's a slew of about two or three things. You know, and and well, well if it's going to be one thing, I suppose it'd be uh, always do what you say you're going to do, flat out, hundred um, percent. Do what you say you're going to do, and if you're not sure that you can get it done, then don't promise it. You know, that's that's uh that's the mission critical and again that slew of other things uh don't burn a bridge always take a meeting um opportunity cost your time hire delegate and uh you know try to have fun every day you know every day i come to work try to have fun and you know it's it is it is you know it can be rewarding and and um you know having a good attitude is uh you know, really uh is positive for everybody around you so mm-hmm. pretty simple keep them stick to the basics yep. i guess huh <laughs> Yep. Good deal. Yeah. Well, I appreciate you being on here today and sharing uh, everything you've learned through life and sharing a little bit about your story. And, hell, I'm sure we'll stay in touch in the future. And that's about all I got. All right. Well, thanks, Jordan. Yes, sir. Well, I'll talk to you. Yep. I'll see you, my man.